Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Diane B, and I am a recovered compulsive eater. Today is uh, woo, Thursday, March the 9th, 2023. This is 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book on page 66, the third paragraph. And we are at page 66, third paragraph, uh, beginning with we turn back to the list, ending with we could not turn them away any more than alcohol. Reading that one paragraph only. Um, let's see. Today's readers, we have Ginger C. doing the 12 steps, Jen P. doing the 12 traditions. Our text reader today is Barb W., our uh, um, page 164, Vision Few reader is Nancy P., and our backup reader is Pam S.R. Newcomer greeter, Je- Jeannie B., and our second-hour host is Matt J.F. Thank you, everyone, for your service today. The reference numbers um, for yesterday, Wednesday, March 8th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,034. That's 20034. And for Wednesday, March 8th, at the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,035, 20035. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Ginger C., will you please read us the steps? One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, Ginger. 
Um, now we have Jen P. reading our 12 traditions. Jen? Good morning, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige to divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, <clears throat> ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Ginger. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for, not, for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should, uh, should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 66 in the third paragraph, starting with return back to the list. We're reading one paragraph only. Um, so Barb W., will you get us started, please? Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Barb W., compulsive overeater, recovered gratefully in Illinois. We turned back to the list for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. It sounds, um, turn back to the list of resentments, look at it from a different angle. People in the world really dominating us, power to actually kill. It sounds a lot like step one to me with where my relationship had been with food. 
It dominated me. It had the power to actually kill me. I couldn't escape from it, and I couldn't believe that anything could be mastered, anything could be changed about it. And I guess the preparation with that step one was that I was at a loss. I was I was I was uh, defeated on every front. Um, and so here we are in step four. Um, it's incredible to me that the key to my future laid in the in my actions of overeating for my lifetime. And here too. Um, incredible that the key to my future is the is the list that I have in my my satchel of flawed thinking, my maladjusted instincts, the injuries, the damage I've caused, the, the relationships that I've hurt, and that's incredible to me that that would be a key to anywhere. <laughs> but how could I escape? I know on my own from the step one, two, and three so far that I cannot. And so, but I did, it says we're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. You mean like I, I'm prepared for something and that, that's astonishing. And so I re, you know, I can, we can lean, I can lean into step three. I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And I love it, a sister in the program says of my, the God of my not understanding. And the key is the list and a power greater than myself. It, it came to mind this morning um, in cars newer than mine that you can have the fob or the key in your pocket and draw near to a car and the car kind of knows you and you can touch it and it opens and you're off to a different journey. And so here that metaphor sort of um, allows me to, I, I'm turning my will over and allowing myself to get into something different. Um, and it really gets underway. And I, I wouldn't be here except through my compulsive overeating. So it's, it, it's phenomenal to me that something can, as destructive as that, has turned for good. And that's not my power. That's my higher power doing that for me, me doing the work. Um, so believing God could restore me to sanity and God did grace me with abstinence in order to then commence working the steps with my sponsor. And my gosh, if God can master that insanity of mine being dominated by my interpretation of holding grudges and my engineering of my life, reacting to the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, it's fancied or real. And here again, that's a cue. That's a cue. My thinking has brought me to where I stood in step four with a satchel full of resentments, i.e. the key to my future, and and my decision to turn my will and life over to the care of my loving higher power Just that I touch the door and strap myself into the journey continues. So, surprised by what the 12 steps have done. Looking forward to everybody's shares. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much for getting us started, Barb. Okay, so I'm going to get ready to take people's names uh, with your last initial and where you're from. However, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on any of the meetings since Monday, I'm happy to take your name. Blanca BG. Lynn S. Slow down, please. Slow down. I got Juana, Lynn, Linda, 
Colleen M. Davalin. Barbara Wynn. Okay, stop. Did you get Nancy P? Let's see. I did get Nancy. Okay, Iwana, Lynn, Linda, Nancy, Colleen, and Barbara. That's a really good place to start. Gavilin. Okay, got it. Yes. All right. So, Juana, please give us the initial of your last name, where you're from, and we're going to listen. We're happy to listen to you. Yes, this is Blanca. Blanca G. Sorry. From Central Florida. That's quite a right. Blanca G. From Florida. Go ahead, Blanca. Thank you. Um, Good morning, uh, everyone, brothers and sisters. Uh, In this program, um, speaking of resentments, I mean, I know that's that's a huge, huge one. I mean, I, I could talk about such a, that's such a complex subject. But for me, my resentments, um, you know, I, I, I thought I hid them. I knew it was wrong to have resentments. So I just decided I was going to go through my life pretending I didn't have them. Of course, there's one one problem, one little problem, which was that my I was wearing all of my resentments. As the years went on and the pounds and the weight started accumulating on my body, it was harder and harder to pretend uh, that I that I didn't have a very complex anger. I want to unmute Blanca. We lost you. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Um, I don't know where I left off. I I was talking about resentments and how I I thought I was being so clever and hiding them throughout my life, but it was obvious by just anyone looking at me that I was not. And the years went by and the pounds and the weight accumulated on my body. However, I kept insisting I was okay because uh, as an overeater, I, I wear my resentments. And it wasn't until I got into the program and uh, began, there began the long road, and they call it the uh, unpeeling of the onion, when layer by layer has to come off. And uh, each layer has to be looked at and and talked about. And, um, and through the program, Little by little, I was able to uncover these resentments and get to work on them. And that was through the miracle of the program. So on that, I'd like to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Blanca. Okay, Lynn, if you could give us your last name and the state you're from. Star one, please. Okay. Did I hear a Lynn? All right, Linda, you're next. Hi there. Yes, it's Lynn S., recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, sometimes when you listen to the line, words just jump out at you. And this really jumped out at me, you know, in that state of mind. The wrongs others had done to us, fancied or real. And my whole state of mind 
was fancied. It was living in this terrible misery fantasy of they said this to me and they done me wrong and life is terrible and I can never get a break sort of a thing. I'm not, I'm not articulating it properly because I'm in such, it really just shook me. It's like the words came off the page and were, were sitting in the air in front of me. And just to see how different life is when we get out of that warped perception of life. And, you know, when we do step four and five, we see everything, everything from a different perspective. And I love Chuck C. We've got a new pair of glasses. And one of the most important things about doing step four and getting that out is when you do step five and you talk to somebody else and they show you that your perception was off. But in that warped state of mind, in those fancied harms, so many of the harms I thought happened to me were all in my head, all in the way I was looking at it. It was such a relief. And I'm just, I guess I'm just so glad not to be plagued by that anymore. And it comes from sitting down with pen and paper, writing it out. It's such a relief. It's not a fearful thing. It's a fact-finding mission. And just to see how much really didn't, wasn't real. It was in my mind. I am so glad I don't live there anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Next, we have Linda followed by Nancy P. Linda, if you could give us the initial of your last name and where you're from, please. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I, uh, I'm going to take a different tack, a different approach to this. Um, I always wanted to escape. I always wanted to escape all the pain I was in. And I didn't know at all how to get out of it. And some people... Fortunately, not me, but some people have to escape really hideous stuff, really um, ugly, ugly stuff. I was a confused kid in an adult body when I came here. And one of the things that I learned about escape is um, there is a way to escape through the steps letting people help me, not trying to pull myself up by my own bootstraps because it doesn't work. It's a whole new world. I'm an addict. I don't want to change. I mean, part of me doesn't want to change. And I am really, really scared to death of the word God. That's where I started. I started with a question mark. What do you know? Many years later and doing all this work, God really is really, really, really real and the core of my life. And I listened to that core constantly. And how did I learn to do that? By being with you, by being honest, by being vulnerable. I don't come here for any other reason than to save my soul. I am here to save my soul. And if I can help someone to find the God that will save their soul, the divinity, however they say it, 
the question mark, however they say it, to find that core so they have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I am so very, very grateful for this meeting, for these steps, for Overeaters Anonymous, and most of all, for you and God. You are God's voice so many, many times. Thank you. I I really, truly need you and appreciate you. Bye-bye. I pass. Thank you, Linda. Now we have Nancy P. followed by Colleen. Hi. <clears throat> Hi. Good morning. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So um, having other people dominate me was a pretty neat trick because no one ever laid a finger on me. No one had me shackled or confined in any way. Instead, I had preemptively allowed myself to be co-opted into this place where I was actually, I was actually owned by my own feelings. Um, you know, if I had walked up to my, one of my bosses over my career and said, I'm tired of you treating me like I don't matter, they would have called the people with straitjackets and had me hauled off to a rubber room. And <clears throat> all these, all this stuff, all these feelings take place in my own brain, manufactured by my own thinking. My feelings dictated what I said and did. I decided that people felt a certain way about me and I reacted as though they had walked up to me and said so. The entire show was going on in my own head, except that I kept displaying my reactions to others. I was mentally ill, but I wasn't talking to myself while I was pushing a grocery cart full of junk on the street. My thinking cannot be trusted today, then and now. Um, you know, I decided what I was going to eat the way other people ate because they were getting ease and comfort and eating with impunity, but really all that they were doing was just eating their lunch. I decided that other people had set out to harm me and I reacted that way, always trying to scratch an itch of some sort, either with food or with my actions. And when really all people were doing was just, you know, living their lives. And there was no way out for me. Information would come into my brain and then my brain would metabolize it into anger, irritation, frustration, jealousy, aggravation, or rage, or whatever. And I was dying a slow death while appearing to be alive and functioning. And when I made a list of all the things that made up my life, it was pretty scary for me. And I saw how my feelings owned me. They owned me. And they played me like a puppet on a string. And my feelings dictated what I said and did. So the final course of action for me was to just do whatever my sponsor told me to do immediately and as hard as I could. I did it when I was going through the steps and learning them. And I still do it every single day. I woke up spiritually and I went to the spiritual chiropractor and everything straightened out. And today my feelings don't own me. I prefer not to master resentments. I don't want to master resentments because it's way better just not to have them at all. And I prefer not to worry about other people or whether or not I'm going to get what I need or what I want or anything. I just prefer not to do that. And today I have feelings, but they're not violent. I recognize them for what they are, and I just continue to do what the book says. I don't sit with them. And my feelings don't drain me of energy. They don't own me. I'm free. I have abandoned myself utterly to this thing that takes care of me. And the only thing I have to do is one thing. Say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Colleen, you're up. Hi, everyone. This is Colleen M. from Maryland, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, this paragraph really jumped out to me today as well. And this was a turning point for me um, this time around in my recovery, this fourth step, and seeing my spiritual sickness and my, um, my emotional immaturity and my... Um, 
the lies that I was believing about uh, my world and how I fit in it. Um, I really liked where it said that we began to see that the world and its um, no that um, the wrongs others had done, fancied or real, had the power to kill, and, and it was killing me. I mean, it was it was killing me emotionally, um, spiritually, and when I could look at the when I could finally take myself out of the victim role and see that, um, like it was it was just said was was said so beautifully that um, um, people were just going about their life. You know, we were, were bumping into each other. Um, I was I was a child in an adult's body, uh, bumping into other adults that probably had children and they're and trying just trying to get my way, trying to get my emotional needs met by you know having contracts with people that I never shared that contract with. Um, expectations. Um, today, I can look at myself and know that if I am upset or disturbed, it is something that I that is within me that needs to be adjusted, and that takes me out of the the victim role, which you know I was a victim most of my life. And um, it says, how do we master these resentments? Um, we cannot wish them away. Um, once I realized these resentments, then I had to continue to do the rest of the work. And um, the work today is, is staying connected to a higher power so that when I am disturbed, I can go to my higher power and um, other recovered people and get wisdom. And it's the transformation of myself by my higher power that I was not capable of doing, I was not capable of changing the way I thought, the way I felt and the way I reacted to life. But doing this work has given me that freedom. And uh, I know that it's it's not my power that's done it. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Colleen. Barbara, followed by Gavilyn. And Barbara, if you could give us the initial of your last name and where you're from, please. Star one, Barbara. Can't hear you yet. I'm Barbara and I'm from New Jersey, but I'm so thankful right now today because I'm in South Carolina with my family. I've been here since last Friday. And uh it's beautiful in South Carolina. I'm down here with my family, taking care of some business. And you know when I got down here, I had to go to the store and get food. I'm staying with my brother to eat. And I'm so happy that the food I bought, I fixed the food for us to eat, and he, he's been eating it. He's in N.A. But anyway, I'm thankful to have this program, and I know that I'm a recovery addict. I would go out so much junk food all my life. So now I don't have to do that anymore because I have a sponsor. I'm doing the steps with her, and um. I'm still on step two. I'm taking my time with it. I'm making sure I get it this time because the last time I was in the program, I had a relapse. And I didn't come back before years. And now that I'm back, I'm I'm thankful because I'm 68 now, and I find that the program, I'm really more wise, and I have more ability to have more understanding of what OA is about. And that's What's important to me? Do I want it for myself or do I want it just because I want it? I want it because I need it for my health. My health is important. 
and I want to be around long as I can, God's willing, for my grandkids and my nieces and nephews. And also, I have a plan that I love. They plan you can do so much with these plans with food to eat and enjoy every day, learning how to do it. And I'm so happy that I'm learning how to fix the food I like to eat that's on my plan. I can weigh and measure my food, and I can get up in the morning and prepare my meals. And, you know, I'm not really hungry. The only thing that I have to watch out for is uh, setups. With maybe when I go to church, when they have that C-A-S-C, I just have to walk away from it. And when I keep coming and when I'm around these things, these parties or socialize or getting together, I'll have the strength that God would give me to know how to handle it. And it comes from the steps, and it comes from God of my understanding that's helping me each and every day. I'll be leaving to go back home on Monday morning, and I just want to say that I'm just so happy that I brought the program with me. <laughs> I brought it with me. I brought the, put it in my phone. I said I don't want to miss the meetings. And I wasn't on every day, but I'm on today. And I want to be so thankful for you people because you people are really helping me a lot. I thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks, Barbara. Um, Gavilan E. Good morning. My from. name is, I will. Good morning, Gavilan E, living, uh, a compulsive overeater, living gratefully and joyfully in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. The words that leaped out at me this morning in this paragraph, we're dominated and how could we escape? And I was thinking about that and thinking about for the last almost 76 years when I was conscious of thinking how I wasted most of my life focusing on other people, judging other people, trying to control other people and their behaviors and their actions and never finding any satisfaction doing that. Finding tiny moments of satisfaction when I did something well or I did something right and not recognizing that that's because I was somehow accidentally doing the will of a higher power that I wasn't aware of. And I thought of all the time I still waste living in my head, judging, controlling other people. This program just saves me from that. How could I escape? I escape by actually making the effort to live in these steps and following the wishes of a higher power that I don't understand. I just know that I need to do what that higher power directs me to do. So it was the escape that grabs me in this program. It's the escape that keeps me in this program. And I no longer want to be dominated by the behaviors of other people. So thank you very much for your service. And thank you for listening. I'll pass with that. Thanks, Gavilan. Okay, we can take more names uh, from people who would like to share. But again, um, if you have shared in the past couple of days, please step back so that others uh, may share their experience. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. I got Pamela. 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 Please slow down. So far, I got Pamela P. Did you get Sarah? Sarah. 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 Karen K. Karen K. 
Kenny E. Ginger. Ginger C. E. Somebody F. And Ginger C. Ingrid F. Tracy Ingrid, G. Thank you. Okay, I don't know if we'll have time, Tracy, but I'm going to put your name down. Okay, so I have Pamela P., Sarah R., Karen K., Penny E., Ingrid F., Ginger C., and Tracy G. Okay, Pamela P. What page, Our one please? Unmute. Oh, we're on page 66 on the third paragraph. We turn back to the list. Hello, this is Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Uh, God bless you all. So what I got from the paragraph, so what I got from the paragraph is, um, yeah. So this disease is very um, a threefold disease: mentally, physically, emotionally, especially. We lost you, Pamela. Star one to unmute, please. Yes, I'm here. Pamela P. I'm sorry. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. God bless you all. So there is a threefold disease, physically, mentally, emotionally, and it a battle, constant battle every day, regardless if I'm great spirit or bad spirit. And I need to know that. And people, places, and things could trigger me. And it could be no, it could be like a great day and just the thought uh, eating compulsively. So one of the things happened yesterday was a great day. It's just that it was a lot of quiet time or time not doing anything. And that just seemed like to trigger me a lot to eat, eat something. So snacks could be very dangerous. It could be a healthy snack and a second healthy snack and could turn into a meal. So I got to be very careful with that. And then certain food, not on my food plant, but it's just the only choice to eat it. I got to be careful with that. So I think I did pretty good with that part. I ate something. I just left the environment so I wouldn't think about food. But it's just a constant. And then night eating is very dangerous. So I I talked to somebody program. I changed mostly certain snacks before dinner. So after dinner, nothing else to eat. And then I got to find a way mentally or mostly not to think about food and to do something else, you know. So I'm just learning about these things, and I'm trying to start back to my restricted food plan day one, and I'm really praying to God that I could do this. It is the only way physically I could reach back my goal weight, the weight I was a year and a half ago. So I'm just praying. And then people, the behavior, I can't control other people. I don't control my reaction to it. But I must react because holding my reaction with garment and resentment. And resentment is the number two reason why I eat. So I do react quick, get it over with, and keep it moving. And I did that last night so I won't, so I won't be triggered to eat or to ponder on it, and to talk about it with God and my partner. That's the next important thing, to constantly get it out of me. Thank you. So th- thank you to let me say I love the meeting, great recovery, and for that I pass. Thanks, Pamela. Sarah R., if you could please tell us where you're from also. 
Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Sarah R. Sarah with an H in New York. This is an amazing, amazing meeting, and I constantly have to be reminded that, you know, my name isn't really Sarah R., it's really Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde, because I have two forms of how I show up in the world. I show up amazing and cute and funny and personable and caring and kind, but then Miss Hyde is someone else, right? Someone so beautifully put it before, it's just about the concept of storytelling that I'm imagining that people are really out there to get me. And it's funny because I used to visit the nursing homes on a weekend and there was a lady there and she would go, the FBI is out to get me and we all thought she was crazy. But as the beautiful person who just shared before said, I always think people are out to get me when all they're doing is living their lives. So um, what do I do? I just stuff my face, not because the food is my problem. It's the solution, and it always has been the solution um, to when I think people are out to get me. So if someone's just in a rush and they cut me off on the highway, they're personally attacking me and everybody hates me. I, I know this sounds ridiculous, but, you know, or at, at, at work, right? Um, if, someone, if, if, if someone just asks me to do something or someone isn't happy with my work, they 100% hate me and are out to get me. And then I realize, hey, everyone's out to get me. And just like the lady that I visited in the nursing home, you know, everyone's out to get me. And um, then there's back to the Dr. Jekyll aspect where when I stuff my face with beautiful higher power serenity and program, I get to just be and um, nobody's really out to get me. I, it's just really that they're just living their lives. But, you know, the reason I'm an overeater is because I'm a victim. As, you know, the big book beautifully puts it on 417, when I'm disturbed, it's because I find a person, place, Thing, some fact of my life unacceptable to me and I could get no serenity until I accept this person place thing or fact exactly the way it is and but that's weird right because the Miss Hyde side of me doesn't like that um, in a weird way I, I thrive off of chaos like I moved last week and the movers messed me up and my mom's like yep this always happens to Sarah and I was thinking for a second isn't that interesting? Because these things always happen to me. But as long as I'm in my Miss Hyde frame of mind that everyone's out to get me, then, then I need to stuff my face over this, right? Because I need to feel better right away. It's funny because I've always, in my disease, I've always loved being miserable and I would thrive off of that. But um, I don't have to do that anymore. Like I have solutions. It's very interesting. I get complete reminder. Thank you. I forget that I have a beautiful program that can help me and restore me to, you know, being and living Dr. Jekyll of happiness, joyous and free and being of service to others. Thank you. Have a great day with that. I pass. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Karen Kay, you're next, followed by Penny E. Good morning. I'm Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. You know, the beginning of the paragraph, it says, looking back at our list. So we're looking back at the list, you know, and what is, um, what harms have I caused? You know, it's really very little to do with other people. And that's why when 
I'm grateful I had an experience about two years ago. And when I work with people today, we start at step 10. Because all this stuff is just like, it's like a little tornado of all these emotions coming up and, you know, the food's down and, you know, I'm angry more, I'm happy more and whatever, whatever more, horny more, you know, whatever, you know. So I introduce a 10 step in the beginning so people can at least turn the dial, turn the dial down so they're able to approach this work so they can go back to the list and the food's not calling them. You know, they have, a, they have a, a meditation practice in place. You know, even if it's just for one minute, you know, they already have things in place so they can do this work more effectively. So it's not like a tornado. It's not all or nothing. It's not black and white. And, you know, this is a program about being human. You know, uh, the food was not my solution. It never was. I thought it was, along with many other things I thought was my uh, solution. And... I'm a recovering human being with, you know, a, a, a disease like any other disease, you know, that will settle for me being miserable, but would prefer to have me dead. So um, I've heard a lot of good shares today. Um, I really like the one that, uh, you know, was just like, I don't have room for resentments today. I do a lot of 10 steps. I do a lot of, pot, a lot of uh, uh, spot checks if I'm not able to, you know, get somebody live. Um, I'm constantly looking at, you know, um, what what can I bring to the situation? What can I bring better? And that's what bringing back to the list means. You know, what harm have I caused? Not my part. I'm 100% responsibility for what I do, and the other person or situation is 100% theirs. And when, I, when I'm able to do that, you know, life is so much freer, freer because when I say, you know, my part, that means, you know, I'm taking, I'm, I'm still running the show. Um, I apologize for my speech. I'm, I'm going to the dentist. I have a tooth missing. So if I said a few words weird, I, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's, the war's over, guys. You know, the war's over. I'm tired of beating myself. We lost you, Karen. Um, yeah, we lost you. Okay, Penny E., you're next, please. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E. I'm recovered in South Jersey. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everybody's service who's meeting going on a daily basis. And a special shout-out today for our security people uh, who keep us safe from intruders. I just so, so appreciate you. Um, what jumped out to me is we saw that these resentments must, and I love when they put the word must, there's no, there's no choice. They must be mastered if we're to live sanely, you know, but how? It's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait to tune in. Um, they must be mastered or else we're going to stay in the food. We're going to be insane. The book is full of solutions, totally full of solutions, but this Coming up, this is one of my favorite for the transformation that I have experienced. So um, if you're new to this, tune in, tune in, because good stuff is about to happen. So thanks, everybody. Have a beautiful God-filled day. Thanks, Penny. Next we have Ingrid S. Hi, everybody. This is Sigrid S. in South Florida. I also want to take a look at that line, we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. 
so again, this comes back to my thinking. And I thought maybe I would give an example because I was ruled by my feelings. And some of it said earlier in the paragraph, some of which were real and some of which weren't, right? So I thought, okay, well, I know an example when I first started program was someone would cut me off. I'd be driving and somebody would cut me off. That would send me to insta-mad, insta-angry. How dare they do that? Don't they know the traffic laws? Why can't they drive properly? Blah, blah, blah. But I'd be insta-mad. The other person just went on their way. But I'm full of anger. Now I'm full of anger. Now I need to eat because I don't like the feeling of strong feelings. I never have. I never will. <laughs> so I've manufactured this story in my head. This person made a mistake. That's the reality. The truth is, I make mistakes when I drive. I've cut people off, I'm sure, and they haven't, you know, gone out of their way to give me the finger or try to cut me off, right? They don't go insta-mad. No, no, no. This was manufactured by me, not accepting that somebody made a mistake. And it really became an excuse for me to eat. So it's my disease continuing to keep me in an emotion that makes me uncomfortable so that I will eat. Because without a program, I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know that I'm doing this to myself. I don't know that I'm creating myself as a victim. So that's an example of when, you know, I'm manufacturing it. But, you know, there are real circumstances. If I go to a funeral, I'm sad. I don't like being sad. Sad is a really big emotion. Sad feels crappy. Well, I'm on my way to the food unless I can find a way with my higher power to get through those feelings, to recognize my feelings, which I don't want to do either, and to get through those feelings. So this combination of real and manufactured feelings and emotions in my life ran me. And today with programming, with the fourth step and seeing these things for what they are, I can, I can change the way I react and change the way I think about things so that I'm no longer telling myself lies to stay a victim so that I can have strong emotions so that I can eat. I hope that makes sense and I hope everyone has a blessed day. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Next we have Ginger C followed by Tracy G. Oh, good morning, moderator. I actually spoke on Tuesday, so I'm going to pass this morning, but thank you for your service. Thank you for your honesty. Okay, so we have Tracy G. next. Good morning, everybody. Tracy G. from North Carolina, recovering compulsive overeater uh, on step eight and grateful. Um, I often, because I'm not as familiar with the big book, uh, use first person. So the first word that caught me was, I turned. I turned. I turned back. Sometimes I have to turn back before I can go forward. And these are things, these are feelings and emotions and utter turmoil that have managed to rule my life in one way or another for many, many years. And when I looked back at the paragraph before, I'm reminded that harboring such feelings shuts me off from the sunlight of the spirit, capital S. And so 
as hard as I thought that it was going to be to do my step four, it's incredibly liberating because for the first time in my life, I was able to be prepared because of the lift, because I was willing to do the work, because I was honest with myself, my sponsor, and God to look at my life, to look at my circumstances, to look at the difficulties, to let go of the past in an entirely different angle. And I really look at the words in the big book that say must, absolutely, entirely, because there is promise in that. There is hope for change. And the fact is, I have a voice today and choices that I thought I never had. And it's because of the liberation of working these steps. And the next sentence starts with, I began, we began. It's a beginning. It's, I want the spiritual experience and I hunger and long for it every day. And it starts with the beginning of the day with God. And so today I look at this paragraph and how so much of my feelings have dominated me and how I just didn't know what I know today, thanks to OA, thanks to the help of, of God, thank you to all the fellowship and vision. And um, I'm just so grateful, so grateful to be where I am. And um, I just remember these words of action, of faith and action. I can turn, I can prepare, and I can begin. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thanks, Tracy. We actually have time for a couple of more shares. Um, again, if you, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may have a chance. Shlomi Hanabi. Shlomi Hana. Joanne B. And one more. And Joanne B. Okay, thank you. Um, so Shlomi, go ahead. Okay. Um, good morning, everybody. And um, thank you so much for everybody doing service today and for everybody on the line. Really appreciate this meeting. And uh, it's good to be back. I haven't been to this meeting in a long time. Anyway, it's very apropos that um, I'm hearing about resentment today. Um, I have so much to say about it, you know. The last year and a half, I have actually been steeped in resentment um, <clears throat> around my marriage. And I've had a lot of resentment towards my husband. And most of the resentment has really been towards myself and circumstances. Um, <clears throat> and somewhat towards my community as well. And where that's gotten me is deeper and deeper in the food. 100%. Um, I can be doing well during the day, but then at night, when all of that stress from the day just comes and piles on top of me, then that would be my solution, the food and some other behaviors as well. Um, and so I'm really resonating with this um, topic of resentment because I can see personally, just from my own example, how poisonous it really is. I heard a wonderful quote one time that resentment is like taking poison and wishing that the other person would die. And um, I really know that the food is not my solution because when I go to the food, 
all it does is put me on that merry-go-round of feeling that shame and that anger and it causes deeper resentment and then it brings me back to the food. So I'm grateful to be stepping back in today. Um, I'm looking forward to working the steps. And, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to doing that fourth step because um, I have built a lot of resentments this year. Um, And I know that this is something that I need to release. You know, in the past when I've done fourth steps, they've been so liberating and so freeing. And to tell you the truth, there were people in the past that I did many fourth steps on. And several years later, when I was working the steps again, they were, they were not even on my list. And that's where I want to get to today. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I won't feel my feelings. It doesn't mean that things won't happen and that life won't happen and that things won't make me angry at times or that people won't act poorly because people do act poorly and sometimes I act poorly. But what it does mean is that I don't have to sit with it. I can release it from myself. Um, I have a way that I can get rid of this and process through these feelings um, and not have to hold on to them so that they destroy me because that's That's really, thank you. That's not what I'm here to do on earth. So thank you. And uh, everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you. Shlomikana. Next we have Joanne B. You have like a minute and two minutes, maybe Joanne. Good Good morning. I'm Joanne B from Vermont. Um, really happy to be on uh, this call today. And um, the, the sentence in this that really resonated with me was, um, you know, we began to see the world and its people that that the world and its people really dominated us. And this is like so. This is a theme that I've been really thinking about lately. Um, I um, I'm going into my fifth month or sixth month in this program and I've gone through the 12 steps with my sponsor and boy have my eyes been opened um, but just as fast as they're open they can close again and you know I am a people pleaser I am ultra sensitive I want to be liked and I want to belong and all those things they're still there and they do come up. But now that I'm not eating um, my feelings, those feelings do come up pretty strongly, but I have a solution now. And that solution is to call my sponsor or call another friend in the program and talk about it and talk through that feeling, see what the root is and then um, understand myself better and know that this, I'm just a human being having a spiritual, you know, experience. Um, and you know, I, when I feel that freedom, which is coming more and more, uh, lately, it's like what people think of me is none of my business. I've always heard that before, but now I really understand what that means. And as long as I stick close to God and what God wants from me and I keep my side of the road clean, I can really live in a way that's not dominated by people. So I'm getting better at it, but it's definitely like a muscle that I need to, I need to keep exercising and keep practicing. And I'm not perfect. It's going to take, yeah, it's going to take a while, but 
Um, I'm so grateful for this pro this program and this and especially this meeting. Everyone have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you to everyone who shared today, and thank you to everyone who is here today. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Nancy P., will you please read our book is meant to be suggestive only? Ada, say on the ID number, please. I will. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry, we're having technical difficulties, so I don't have an ID, a share ID for today. Sorry. Okay, go ahead, Nancy. Sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clean away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>